Hey, everybody. Hope you all are doing all right out there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Interviews with Chris. This is your host, Chris Tryon. I know the schedule's been a little choppy lately, but thanks for hanging in there with me. This episode has some fun new elements I haven't explored yet, but I'm super excited about them. Hip-hop and video games. And I can't think of a better way of getting back into the groove of things than with my very special guest, Raheem Jarba, who is also known as Megaran. Rapper, educator, and just an overall amazing guy. Sure, he's known for his nerdcore style of hip-hop, but his new album, Two Hands Up, is a separate feel recording-wise that I've had on constant rotation the past couple of months. We talk video games, his experience as a teacher, his hip-hop and video game influences growing up, the Black Lives Matter movement, the meanings behind some of his songs, and just some overall amazing life stories. Sometimes I just feel so lucky to talk with not only incredible musicians and creators, but more so some incredibly amazing humans such as Megaran. Here's my conversation with them. Enjoy. How's it going, Ran? Very, very good. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Trying to be as good as I can be. But where do I begin? There's so much I have to ask. But first and foremost, I just want to say thanks for taking the time to do this interview. Uh, no problem, Chris. I, I appreciate you wanting to do the interview. So I'm glad we were able to to work it out. I know I was like hard to hard to pin down for a bit. Uh, it's been strange. I think being at home so much creates a, a, a situation where I think that I have nothing but free time, but it's totally not like that because everything else is on such a loose schedule that it winds up taking away from being able to schedule things. I don't know if that makes sense. Absolutely. But when you say that you, it seems like you've got free time, I think the complete opposite because I see that you're constantly staying busy. I oh, mean, yeah. whether you're doing <laughs> interviews You've got your own podcast, Random Encounters. You just put out your album, Two Hands Up, featuring Young RJ of Slum Village, which I can't wait to get into. I mean, the 10-year anniversary of Forever Famicom that you did with Kay Murdoch is this month. I mean, yes. you did a live stream today. Yeah, You did I a did. live stream yesterday, and I saw it. It was awesome. Thanks, man. I, I've been, yeah, I'm absolutely staying really busy. So the moment I think I have you know, free time. It's the complete opposite. Like I'm working harder now than I was, I think when I had tours planned, because at least then you're just using one part of your brain. It's time to go out, hit the road, <laughs> you go do it. Now I'm like doing shows, but I'm also the sound guy. I'm also the tech guy. I'm the video guy. If 
Uh, yeah, there's just so much to do right now. I, You're a jack I, of all trades right now. Yeah, I just need I need six hands to properly do the work that I really want to do. Well, when I was even seeing the the live Twitch stream, that was my first Twitch stream that I had seen, and it just kind of it's really awesome to see because it's a complete you know part of the digital world that I'm not like super familiar with per se. But I mean, I. You educated me on a bunch of new artists. Like I um I uh, Majatron, High Rule, uh, yeah. my Bible. I was humming that and singing it along in the kitchen, uh, you know, probably <laughs> bothering my fiance the entire time I was uh, humming and singing it, but I mean, it was I yeah, you, there's so many artists that I learned about just listening in. And wow. you even you even played a Eric B and Rakim track, uh, Microphone I Fiend. I and, did. Yeah, which I love because I grew up listening to Rage Against the Machine, and they covered that track on their album Renegades. So that was awesome. Absolutely. I try to give a good mix of stuff like new school, old school, like a lot of my tribute stuff. You know, Eric B. Rakim is my like probably like some of my first introduction to hip hop. So maybe some of my biggest inspirations. So a lot of their stuff is definitely is hopefully shows in some of my stuff that I do. So. I like to play new stuff. I like to also show people my influences. And uh, so, yeah, yesterday's stream was a really fun one for me because I jumped all over the place. You know, like I played video game soundtracks. I played nerdcore artists. I played hip hop. I played B-boy stuff. I had, I played, you know, EDM. It was a really diverse set. And I really like that's when I enjoy DJing the most is when I can play like whatever I want. You ran the full gamut there because, yeah, you're going, you're having fun there. It was awesome. I really enjoyed it. And I mean, just even on that topic, um, as far as putting out content or just, you know, making yourself available for your fans to see whatever you're doing. I mean, that's one thing I honestly love about you is your ability to put out such great content. I mean, I've spoken to other peers in the music industry and they've all kind of echoed the same opinion in that these days, in the digital age to stay relevant, you just got to keep creating, you know? So, I mean, I just want to say thanks because, you know, sometimes I, I find some hidden gems that I honestly didn't even know were out there. For instance, I didn't know about the Woocraft album until Mm -hmm. I was trying to research every single corner of, you know, the mega Rand discography. And I mean, that particular album is, you know, about world of Warcraft, which I know nothing about and Mm -hmm. Wu-Tang, which I do enjoy you know, a lot. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, on that particular album, you were narrating while, mm-hmm. you know, Phil was doing vocals and, you know, Kay Murdoch was doing the music there. So, I mean, that was awesome. Yeah, that was really fun. Uh, shout out to Phil because Phil's awesome. Super talented guy that I always wanted to, you know, expose to my audience. I want pe- more people to hear him. I, I I think he's so good. And, um, and he's into as much nerdy things as I am. He's nerdy about hip hop. He's nerdy about PC games and things like that. So I thought it would be a perfect idea when he pitched it to me and uh, he asked me to, to narrate it. And I was I was honored to like, I don't know a lot about Warcraft either, but <laughs> but I learned from from that album, you know, and the album is it it's dope. So I think at the end of the day, if something is really good to, and fun to listen to, it almost doesn't matter if you're going to be into the subject matter, you know, exactly as you said, because I don't think I have the dedication in me to undertake learning about World of Warcraft. But I mean, even then, you got me into a bunny hole of researching characters like orcs, goblins, night elves, 
you know, mm-hmm. factions like the Alliance and the Horde. So, I mean, how do those <laughs> things typically come about? Is it just, you know, you have something in your mind, you're like, man, this this rules, or like, how did, how did exactly did Phil pitch it to you? Was it just out of the blue, or is it a mutual love for Wu-Tang? How did that happen? I think we were just both chatting, and I don't know if it was him or me that came up with the idea of fusing the two words together and coming up with WooCraft. Maybe it was me, and uh, I said, <laughs> someone should do this. And uh, whenever I say someone should do this, you know, somebody's like, well, who? Like, it should be you. And uh, and I'm like, well, it's not, it can't be me because I don't know anything about World of Warcraft. And so he's like, well, I do. Like, and I'm like, okay, then you have to do this. And you love Wu-Tang. You have to do this. And he's a guy that he doesn't believe his, he doesn't necessarily believe in his ideas until, you know, you give him a little bit of encouragement. And I'm the same way. Like, so he thinks, oh, I come up with 20 million ideas a day. Like they can't all be good. And uh, I think that a lot too. But the next day I revisited, I was like, it's still a great idea. You need to do it. And so I had to literally like almost drag him to it. I was like, if you do it, I'll release it through my channels. I'll even narrate it. You know, I'll make sure that my people know about it because I think it's such a dope idea. And then he did no, it's super awesome. It's one of my favorite uh, Wu-Tang collabs. I mean, one of my favorite bands of all time is a punk band called Fugazi. Mm-hmm. And there was a mashup between Fugazi and Wu-Tang. It's called Wugazi. Mm-hmm. Anyone out there that's going to be listening in, I love it. But on the topic of Wu-Tang, who's your favorite Wu-Tang member? Uh, it kind of depends on the day of the week. I think my guy is the Jizza because uh, he's Ooh, the, the genius, love it. you know. Uh, big fan of Method Man. I think he's one of the all-time greats. Uh, Raekwon and Ghostface, um, Inspector Deck. Man, there's just so many. Like, uh, and they're all <laughs> really great. But I think Jizza was my guy. Like being a teacher, you know, I always sword. felt like Jizza came from a from an educator's point of view. And I think now he's teaching uh, in oh, college. I have no idea. Yeah, wow. I think he's been doing science and stuff. Like he's been doing a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, Liquid Swords. You know, words from the genius beneath the surface. Jizza's uh, great. I mean, mm-hmm. do you play chess by any chance? Uh, I'm not good at it. I haven't played probably in a few years. But uh, I had a friend teach me, and I used to really be into it in college. But then after that, I, I stopped. But, um, but yeah, I need to get back into it. I just don't know anyone who, who plays. So if I was around some people who did, then I definitely would. Hey, let's play one day. Then. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, on the topic of content creation, I listened to your podcast episode on Michigan Geek Scene, mm-hmm. and one of my favorite topics was exploring the premise of the numbers aspect of the music industry, like likes, followers, downloads, and all the analytics that drive people to listen to an artist. And I liked when you said that it's an uphill battle against the robots, but mm-hmm. you just have to love what you do, and you know the likes and mm-hmm. follows will eventually come. Yeah. I mean, on your track algorithm, I mean, on the intro of it, you, you say, got to get the likes, got to get the follows, got to get the retweets and the shares. Next step, profit. I think that's how it goes. I mean, at <laughs> what point do you create just to create versus maybe creating something to hopefully target a demographic where people will catch on? I think you'll almost always fail if you think you know the result of something before it happens. Um, so there's been countless times I'm in the studio and I'm like, this is going to be a hit, you know, or, oh, this is man. The nerds are going to eat this up. And it's like, it never happens that way. Um, I saw a really good quote from Quincy Jones. He said, when, uh, when money clouds like creativity, 
it's never going to be successful. Like, so if you start thinking about how much money or how many likes it's going to get before you even put it out, it's never going to be successful. You've cursed that, that item. He said, when, uh, when, when money, what did he say? He said, God leaves the building when money enters creative talks. Basically saying like, you're going to lose all your, your good fortune if you're too busy worried about or thinking about how many likes and shares and, and how much money it's going to make. And it's true, man. Every time I've thought something was going to be an absolute stone smash, it's never really happened, man. I did an Apex Legends track that I thought was really good. I got a bunch of rappers together and we rapped about the story of Apex Legends, each character. This is a really big game. It was a fun game. And it was like the first week the game was out. So I was like, okay, this is the first piece of Apex fan, you know, uh, fan material that's out. And it's got to be successful. It wasn't, <laughs> you know. But at the end of the day, I can be happy because the creation of it was dope. I got to meet a lot of really good people who helped with it. And we made a fun, great song. And I think that's the most important thing. And um, I've learned that from a lot of people. One is a therapist that you fall in love with the process. And uh, if you're in love with your process of creating, then you can't fail because you had fun making it. That's beautiful there. I mean, as a musician myself, I mean, I, if anything were to be like, wow, you got big, that's that's cool. But I mean, I know that like deep down, I'm just creating as far as because I love it. And I love that process as well. And I mean, from hearing your interviews, even you kind of got picked up or shall I say, you know, one of the executives from Capcom reached out to you through a, a private message on MySpace and was like, oh, wow, this is really cool what you did with this Mega Man track. I mean, and you just did it because you loved it, you know? Oh, yeah. I wasn't thinking they would find out. In fact, I was thinking, I hope they don't find out. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to create without them knowing. I was like, there's no way, you know, I'm just some little unknown rap artist who's doing this dedication thing. And yeah, like it's uh i tried my best to hide you know and uh and they found it anyway because i think uh ign like reviewed the album and uh and i was so excited that ign reviewed it because that was a site i, I looked at every day and then the same day capcom found it i'm like oh they found it because ign found it you know and uh the guy was nice enough to tell me like hey it's not a cease and desist don't worry we're not shutting you down <laughs> that's you know? what you probably like, thought at first right i'm guessing oh, like it's something absolutely. huge like that yeah. I thought this is game over. Like they're about <laughs> to end me before I even start. So I was like, there's no way this is going to work. And uh, sure enough, they were nice about it. And they decided to give me some, you know, like encouragement by saying like, this is really cool. We want to profile you on our Capcom blog, you know, where we talk to people who create fan art. And I was like, oh, this is fan art. Okay. And, and I hadn't even thought about it that way before. And uh, and so they were really nice to me when they didn't have to be. They could have easily shut me down. And I'd have been like, sorry, I didn't know I couldn't do that. <laughs> All right, I'll, I will never do that again. Bye. <laughs> I love that. And I mean, there's so much that I want to talk about with you, whether it's music related or personal questions and even some random questions. But even then, it's kind of weird saying the word random because you <laughs> used to go by the name random. Um, why exactly did you change it? Well, because... Random is a hard word to claim or stake any claim to on the internet. Uh, it's just a word. And so trying to find random hip hop or random 
rapper or a rap artist, <laughs> you're yeah. not going to find anything. It's just not going to work. So the, the algorithm's not going to work in your favor. There. Not at all. So I was like, I can't do this. So uh, it became random, a.k.a. Mega Ran. And then it was just Mega Ran because I felt like I didn't want to be lost in the in the shuffle, you know, fighting the robots. And nowadays, though, even though I've changed my name and it's been changed for probably about four or five years now, if you search random rapper today, I come up. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's kind of like going full circle there, coming back, and especially since, I mean, you do have an album, RNDM. But, mm-hmm. I mean, besides your quintessential work with rapping over Mega Man, Final Fantasy, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, WWE intros, and so much more, you've rapped over some of my personal favorite games like Donkey Kong Country 2, Killer mm-hmm. Instinct, Castlevania. And I know it's early to ask for a couple of requests, but have you ever thought of working off of like Metal Gear Solid? I know that you did a, a Zelda uh, track, um, but as far as like a pure like Ocarina of Time or maybe Ape Escape or I mean, how do you decide like which which albums you do? You know, is it just a feeling where you you feel out the beat and you're like, you know, I could definitely rap over this is or maybe it's just like a flavor, you know, of the month or the year that you're like totally into that soundtrack. It's a combination, you know, because it's part of it is if I'm really into the game, of course, if the game has been a big part of my upbringing and I loved it a lot then I'm going to consider it. But then if it's uh if it, then I have to see if it will work well with the hip hop, you know, flavor, you know, if I got to slow it down too much and then it loses its like pitch and bite and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, then it's like, all right, well, that's, that's not going to work. So it then takes me, I, it goes to a couple stages. Like one, I like it. it. It sparks something in me creatively Two, It has to make me, you know, it has to work in the hip hop sense. And then three, I have to write lyrics that I really like and then release it. So um, Ape Escape is one that I've thought about. I've met the composer who's also a musician. He goes by Omodaka in Japan, and he's super good. Uh, So we played a couple shows together in Japan, and uh, he's even remixed some of my tracks. So we've talked about an Ape Escape remix, but we've never done it. Um, Zelda... Ocarina of Time or Link to the Past are my favorites. So maybe one day I would. But a friend of mine has uh, has done it. So uh, I wouldn't want to step on their toes. Got so uh, a friend named Dr. Awkward did a great Ocarina mixtape called like a, The Boy Who Didn't Have a Fairy or something like that. And uh, it's really good. And uh, another friend of mine, Doug Funny, did a Metal Gear Solid project so it's almost like a race to the you know to the (laughs) to the franchises that we love because a lot of us in the nerd you know music genre are you know it's very based on like the retro and the nostalgia so got it if it's something that touched me then more than likely it also touched and affected some other kids in the scene so i have to make sure i'm not the it can't be number two because number two to me is, (laughs) is last place like so you can't be like the second guy to rap about Zelda, you know, at least in my opinion. You could be, but I'd prefer not to. I like to be a trendsetter. So, you know, I was doing Stranger Things and other stuff like that when and wrestling. I moved into wrestling because I loved it and I didn't want to be the fifth or sixth guy to rap about Mario. You know, like it got to the point where it was a bit overcrowded. So I wanted to be able to move into some other things. Well, I know that the Dreamcast is your favorite console of all time. And before I actually found that out, 
you know, as far as what what your favorite Dreamcast games were, I was going to say that Jet Set Radio and Power Stone were two of my favorite games. And mm. then, you know, you rocking a track off of Jet Set Radio would be awesome because that's such a banging soundtrack. I mean, maybe like Mega Set Radio. Um, mm-hmm. but, but no, I love those tracks. And the Dreamcast was so ahead of its time. Unfortunately, it's no longer around. But on the topic still of even video games and being featured on them, I mean, last year you were featured on another huge video game franchise with your track Rise on Mortal Kombat 11. How did that all come about? Man, I, I just got lucky there. That was just, to me, pure luck. Um, shout out to Will Roger, who's the composer of the of the entire game. He worked on a remix with another friend of mine named uh, Alex, who goes by A-Rival. A-Rival and I had played songs and shows together probably 10 years earlier. And so, I don't know. I guess the idea started bubbling around the offices that they should do a rap remix. I always thought, and it's funny that I wound up rapping on it, but the ending music, like the credits theme in Mortal Kombat, is, it's a rap beat. It's a very, very hip-hop beat. And I was just like, hmm, I should write to this one day. And I didn't because I was <laughs> doing things. I was on tour. And then I got a call from a rival saying, hey, could you get on this beat? And I'm like, what? Absolutely. And uh, he's like, yeah, we're, it's for the official soundtrack of Mortal Kombat. And I'm like, what? So I was on the road. I was in Atlanta. i never forget. And I had to get to a studio because I was up against the deadline. And they're like, we really need this by tomorrow. And I'm like, but I'm in Atlanta. I don't know anybody here. So I had to put out like a Hail Mary ask <laughs> on Twitter. Like, hey, uh, is anybody in Atlanta that I know who has a studio? And my friend Jay Live, who I forgot was living in Atlanta, was like, yeah, I'm actually about to move. But I live here and um, I'm packing up everything. But I'll unpack my PC and my Pro Tools and just let you run it while I'm in here just, you know, cleaning out my apartment. And I'm like, oh, man, that's awesome. So he did. Uh, I, got, and I got in the room and got started, and I laid down two or three takes of the of the track, and, uh, and then I got it back, and it was just, it was awesome. So uh, it's an honor. Like I've been playing Mortal Kombat like as long as I've been playing video games, almost. So to be a part of that legacy and that story is pretty unbelievable to me. And who is your favorite Mortal Kombat character? Hmm, I've been a Sub Zero guy all my life, so I, I definitely stick with the classics um yeah sub-zero is my guy awesome and you know what mortal kombat also coincidentally started in 1992 which was the year that you began rapping according to my research hmm which came I, first? was that i maybe feel like there? it was i feel like it was 93 but i don't know for sure honestly there was just a, a summer night when a bunch of my buddies and i were sitting on my <laughs> mom's stairs and I feel like it was 93 because I remember Wu-Tang's album, I think, being out. And that came out in 93, the first Wu-Tang album. Um, I could be wrong, though. So we were listening to that. We listened to Beastie Boys. We listened to maybe Snoop Dogg and some others. So I thought 93 or 94. But um, I could be wrong. But uh, yeah, it was definitely around that time. So gosh, I think that my career started around the same time as Mortal Kombat, which is crazy <laughs> to think. Which came first, your love for hip-hop or your love for video games? Hmm. Hard to say. I mean, video games for sure. I got an Atari 2600 for Christmas in the 80s sometime. 
before I'd ever wrote a rap and before I was even allowed to buy <laughs> albums. <laughs> so I, I remember staying up all night playing Pac-Man and Yars Revenge on that. And then uh, getting the Pitfall and uh, Indiana Jones and other games. Um, then in 1988, I believe I got the Nintendo action set, which is again, before I had written any raps. And what I used to do is I would sit my toy recorder next to the TV and record video game themes. And, uh, and then I would put them on a cassette and then listen to them later, you know, or take them to school on a Walkman. And for the longest, I think I was obsessed with, yeah, with video game music first before hip hop. And I used to even like sing songs to them, like to the melody of the, of the track, you know, like if I had beat Super Mario Brothers, I remember um, the ending princess theme. And I'd be like, I just beat the final boss. And now I just saved the princess, you know. So I was just coming up with words then, even like I, I can remember that so clearly. And that was like, yeah, I was like ten years old. And um, so yeah, that came before before hip hop for sure. That's awesome. You actually kind of answered my next question, which I was gonna say I'm kind of familiar with what your favorite games are from doing my research. I I don't know if it still is, but Super Mario Three is that still your favorite game? Oh yeah, that's a game that I can play any single anytime. Uh, I do a stream. In fact, tomorrow I do a Throwback Thursday stream. I'll probably play Super Mario Three now that I think about it. It's a game that's like always going to be great to me. So good, so much fun, and uh, like little secrets you can find. And you know, I love deep games like that. You know, where it's not all just straightforward. You can fly up or go down a pipe, and you know, it wasn't super linear, which what we were used to at that time. So. I still think Mario Three is the greatest game of all time. Awesome, and I was even—I was going to even ask, like, you know, what games as a child you were most influenced by? You already answered that one, but what about hip hop artists? I know you had said Wu Tang, Beastie Boys, but are there any other hip hop artists that you think of? You know, when you were a teenager, when you were younger, that you could totally say, "Hey, they totally shaped me." Maybe, maybe not my style as far as rapping, but just who I am today and what I listen to. Yes. Uh... A man calls himself the goat, the royal chief rocker, the ladies love cool James, man from Farmers Boulevard, Queens, the one who said, mama said, knock you out. I'm talking (laughs) about LL Cool J. Um, To me, I, I just remember him being the coolest guy ever, you know, like he had the Kango, he had the muscles, he, but he was also the most versatile when it came to music where he could make a song that was about him being the greatest and the baddest guy who, who like beat you up and take your girlfriend. But then he'd had a sensitive side where he would rap about, you know, Oh, I, I've been doing people so wrong. I need to, I need to change my ways, you know? And I love the fact that he could be so believable on both sides of the spectrum. And I thought that was important. And that's when I realized because no one else that I heard had done that. Everybody else in hip hop was one way all the time. And, uh, it just let me know that you didn't have to be one thing, you know, when it came to hip hop, like you could make love songs, you can make something that makes somebody cry. And then you can also make some rowdy songs when it's time to, you know, tear stuff up. So LL Cool J was my biggest inspiration, not necessarily lyrically, but just knowing that I could be diverse with, with subject matter, 
It's like, you know, that was that was a big help for me. So I could rap about video games, but I could also rap about, you know, real important things that were like really eating me up and uh, and be convincing in both. That's awesome. I really didn't know about that LL Cool J influence or that link. So thanks for bringing that up. And to kind of break things up here, I've got a batch of random questions. Some I've created myself. Some are music related, game related, or just plain out there. And there are some questions that your fans have submitted as well. Are you ready? Awesome. All right, let's go. All right. Do you have any pets? No, unfortunately, I do not. But I hope to change that soon. And the reason I ask that is, would you rather have Yoshi or Pikachu as a pet? <laughs> mm. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> um, well, gosh, I don't know. Like, could either of those guys, like, sleep in the house? Like, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I can't think of which one would make, like, the least I feel least like Yoshi mess. would eat my... Yoshi would eat my food. You know, I would rather have a Yoshi because, you know, I could hop on it and do all these cool things, but I feel like it might be a little too destructive. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how that would work. I'm thinking about my house and how, like, they would both destroy my place and have to, like, (laughs) sleep outside in the backyard. And I wouldn't want to do that to them. I live in Phoenix. It's hot. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, but Yoshi's useful. You know, I can hop on Yoshi and ride to the store, you know? (laughs) So, yes, Yoshi. Okay, cool. So I love basketball, and I'm going to try to not get too carried away with this one. But I know you made a track about Jeremy Lin that was mm-hmm. featured on ESPN. Some of my favorite lyrics on that track that I'm going to spill for all the NBA fans that are going to be listening are six foot three with a 4.2 grade point average, not vertical, overlooked by every single team. But never once did he let it hamper his dream. First in the gym, Last one done, proving hard work pays off in the long run. Killed him in the previous summer, dropped a career high when the coach finally called his number. But the reason behind my question is actually to ask, Mm -hmm. who is your all-time favorite NBA player? I think Mm. I know who it is, but I've got to ask. Okay, so I guess um, all-time, gosh, man, I'm, I'm between two people, and they're both Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers, um, both Hall of Famers, great. But uh, they brought that intangible attitude to the game. Um, Charles Barkley and Allen Iverson, those are my two favorites that, of all time. That is awesome. I'm so glad I'm a huge Charles Barkley and, and AI fan. I thought originally it was actually going to be Kobe. Yeah, I can't be a Kobe fan. Well, I mean, of course, now you know I recognize his greatness, but I watched Kobe completely grow up and come through the league. And then I watched him beat my 76ers in the finals. And I never forgot what he said. He came to Philadelphia. Because did Philly have game one? No, no. Philly got game three. And uh, so the the series is tied one to one. They're coming to Philadelphia for game three. And they, and the, uh, one of the, you know, uh, interviewers says, Hey, uh, Kobe, are you looking forward to going back to Philadelphia? And he's like, yeah, I want to tear their hearts out. <laughs> and I was like, no, Kobe, <laughs> how can you say that? Ah! And like from then on, I, I don't know. Like I, I, it was weird, you know, because because Iverson was almost like the opposite of Kobe. You know, like here's a guy who didn't have the the prim and proper, you know, dress or, or voice or you know, game styled even, you know, so, and he was more Philadelphia for me because Philadelphia is about gritty 
and you know about heart more so than being six foot six and having all the tools to be amazing. It's using what you got, you know, undersized guys like AI and Barkley who made a Hall of Fame career. That's Philadelphia to me, you know, scrappy, too small to do it, too this to do it, too that to do it, you know, that's uh, and then succeeding despite that. Not coming from the best school and raised in Italy and learning three languages and, you know, always (laughs) knowing the right answer to every question and, you know, having all the tools to play at the highest level. You know, like to me, Kobe was the opposite of, of like a Philly baller. And so. Uh, as much as I love him, you know, and what he's done into the game and all that, he was not a favorite of mine. No, that's I'm so glad you brought that up because I did listen to your random encounters episode, you know, where you talked about some personal stories like seeing Kobe Bryant go to homecoming with Brandy and playing a scrimmage game at Temple. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that I was proved wrong. You know, I definitely like AI and Charles Barkley. But I was like, huh, I thought maybe it'd be Kobe, even though I know that, you know, he unfortunately tore out the hearts of everyone in Philly. Um, <laughs> right. I, you know, <laughs> n- nothing against this game. Cause I mean, the guy could friggin' he could play, you know? So, but yeah, even I think in that podcast, maybe I didn't say it because I was still so, so like shocked from his death, but I didn't say it, but yeah, like we kind of hated Kobe, you know, <laughs> like it was, it was like a real like dislike. I remember my mother like being like, Oh, I can't stand Kobe Bryant. <laughs> you know, like I can remember real venom in Philadelphia for Kobe, you know? And it's like, all he was doing was his job. He's supposed to tear the heart out of Philadelphia if they're his opponent, you know? So I don't know. He just did his job too well for us. And I could talk about basketball for so long. I mean, Eric Snow, Barkley, <laughs> Corver, Matumbo, you know, everyone right. there. But I'm, I'm like, gonna, we had such a blue collar <laughs> team. I, again, I don't want to turn this into a basketball podcast, but like, but I don't get to talk sports very often. So that's cool. But yeah, like that team was so blue collar. Like, you know, Eric Snow, the guy couldn't shoot to save his life, but yet was such a great leader on the floor. Gritty. Played great defense, gritty. Aaron McKee coming off the bench, another Philly guy. You know, like it was just nothing but heart on that team. And and like, I, I love that. And AI literally like willed a team of like nine other, I won't say scrubs, but like guys who probably no one will ever remember in history. You know, and Allen Iverson was able to take a team like that and go to the highest level with them. And uh, and that, that really says a lot, you know. Got it. Well, I, we could talk basketball forever. I'm going to ask some other random ones here. What about Stranger Things? You brought it up. The Netflix binge-worthy sci-fi favorite. You created tracks for each character. You know, such a brilliant idea. You also did a Mandalorian track that you've coined the Randalorian. What's another TV series that you'd like to work off of? Hmm. I did one for the Witcher as well. Um, I would like to do one off Watchmen because that show is incredible. Ooh, the new one. Oh man. I mean, yeah, was, the new yeah. one, the oh, new one's incredible. One of the best shows I've seen in the last five years. No question. That show should win every award and it should be like required viewing. Honestly, for anyone. Oh, man. Because it's so good. I'm so glad. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, when I signed up for like, I think it was like HBO Go, or I forgot, it was just just purely for that. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's free on Hulu. Hulu. And and I I watched it again because it was that good. And like, I hope they don't do another season. It's just perfect the way it is. Yeah, I love it. But, um, you know, on the topic of kind of like some sci-fi, if you could be any X-Men, who would it be? 
Uh, wow. That's a tough one. Um, Maybe a mix? I don't know. Whatever you like. You know what? I'd be Nightcrawler. Yeah. I want to be able to bamf and just <laughs> pop up anywhere I want. Like, I, I mean, who doesn't want to teleport? Like, that would be the dream right there. Yeah. Nightcrawler, um, Wolverine, Magneto, Gambit. Those are some of my favorites. So Nightcrawler is a great choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the topic of reading material, I mean, you got my nostalgia running hard because you did a Nintendo Power Track. And that was something mm. I was hooked on for so long. For those that don't know what Nintendo Power is, it was a purely Nintendo video game magazine that I had many subscriptions to growing up. But listening made me want to buy an issue and relive it. Additionally, I mean, you've got an album called The Dewey Decibel System with MC Lars, which is mm-hmm. based off of your favorite books, short stories, poems. What's your favorite book of all time? Ooh, oh, that's a tough one. Of all time? I mean, um, gosh. Uh, of Mice and Men, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot, though. Um, I know why the cage bird sings. Um, oh, gosh, there's just so many. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I can answer that with just one. I'd have to name like four or five. There's a few that we did did raps about on the Dewey Decibel that are some of my favorites. So um, for sure, we did a, uh, we did a catcher and a ride, but it didn't, it didn't make the uh, cut. Um, Could be a B side. Yeah, maybe it'll be a B side. We're going to maybe revisit that. Uh, Gulliver's Travels is another one. Um, what else? Uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, there's some good ones on here that we managed to, talk about that are some of my favorites for sure right so, on. yeah well this is going to be my last one before we get to the random fan questions but um just have to ask i know that right now the world of live music and touring is just kind of come to a halt but what's your favorite city to play on tour where mm. people just go wild you know Wow. I, I answered this today during my stream this is a good question um almost never know what to say but i have like I have a list. I have top tier cities. Top tier cities <laughs> to me are like when I go there, everyone feels like it's a big deal and they all show out and we maybe sell it out and we have a really good time. I would say London, Paris, Tokyo. But in the US, I would say Seattle, awesome. Philly, awesome. Uh, Phoenix, Austin, Texas, Orlando. Um, uh, New York is there's no place like New York, so you absolutely uh, I enjoy New York. And a very strange place that works out really well for me is this little uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I saw a Yucca Tap Room. Um, it must have been I think like December of 2018, and that was such an awesome show. Nice. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah, had a blast. And that was my first introduction, you know, really to seeing you live. As far as a friend of mine that loves video games was just like, yo, Mega Rand's coming to your town, coming to your city. And I was like, Mm. I'll be there. You know, I'm going. Nice. I'm glad you went. um, I love Yucca because it's a very um, intimate, like like intimate spot. You know, it's it's like barely lit. So it feels really like dim and like it feels like family. You know, the stage isn't like super elevated. You're not super separated from the crowd. 
And uh, I'm able to step down if I want to like freestyle, do some fun stuff with the crowd. I can interact. It's a very intimate spot. I love it. Love it. As for our random fan questions, I've got Jay out of Austin, Texas, who's actually a wrestler for a company called Party World Wrestling. Hmm. And he's a train conductor. He's a, he goes by Bouldercraw. And he asks, out of all your experiences with wrestling, what has been your favorite? My experiences with wrestling. Well, by far, there's nothing will beat stepping into the ring at a sold out Madison Square Garden which I was able to do last uh, last spring and have the entire crowd booing you and wanting you to get <laughs> wanting you to get killed. So there's no feeling like that at all and that is um something I'd never felt in my life and it's like incredible adrenaline rush. Like so being in that Madison Square Garden at all would have been an honor, but to be able to come to the ring to play a song and then to even like really get some real interaction with the audience, I think was uh, was amazing. That's a dream come true. Is that the most like adrenaline you've ever had running in you? Oh yeah, I was super nervous. Um, there's been a time when in 2017 I was lucky enough to get on TV with a uh, SmackDown with uh, the New Day. They did a, a rap battle, and they had me kind of hang out as one of the audience members or uh, the crew or whatever for the superstars. But I had to come down the ramp and I had dreams the whole night before <laughs> that I was going to trip down the ramp and just roll. And <laughs> it was like it was nonstop. I couldn't sleep the day before because I just I kept thinking, like, you're going to trip down the ramp and everyone's going to laugh at you. And I, I couldn't get over that. And, uh, and that was really rough. But once I did it, it was fun. But that was the most nerves I'd ever had up until then. Because I'm in a different world, you know, like I can get on stage and rap for thousands of people. Like that's no big deal to me. But when I'm in a world that's not my own and I know a lot about wrestling and I know that non-wrestlers in a wrestling ring can really turn a fan off, you know, uh, it's almost like, I don't know if I guess it wouldn't be the same if a wrestler got up on stage at a rap concert. People would like that. But it would be like. I don't know. It'd be like Donald Trump getting up on stage at a rap show. I don't know. Like it would be the the most opposite inter interact reaction you think you get, you know. And it's like because they want to see the high top quality athletes doing their thing. They don't want to see some guy who can't do a drop kick, you know. So <laughs> so it just instantly turns them against you, even if you're there to be for a good reason. So I didn't know what was going to happen, and uh, it was crazy. On the same topic of wrestling, Keith from the Minigames podcast asks, who are the top three wrestlers you like to make music for from any company? Okay. Uh, top three wrestlers I would like to make music for. Um, I would say I think I could make something really cool for if he went solo. I would say Big E of the New Day. I would like to make music for him. Um, let's see. Who else? Someone who would be like perfect with my style, I guess, would be. Um, huh. I think uh, Santana and Ortiz in uh, AEW. I think I could do something really cool for them. Um, Kenny Omega. For sure. I think I could do something really cool with Kenny Omega's theme. And um, 
Hmm. I think that's it. I think those are the ones. Like if I had those, they'd be. I think I could do something really, really great for them. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know too much about modern wrestlers that are wrestling right now. I mean, I've listened mm-hmm. to your Matt Mania album, and that's one hundred percent wrestling inspired. You've got mm-hmm. Chris Jericho, Brock Lesnar, Triple H, and one of my childhood favorites, The Undertaker. I'm yeah. like I said, I'm not super knowledgeable on wrestling, but I do remember like Undertaker, Sting, Mankind, Booker mm-hmm. T, Stone Cold Steve Austin. But mm-hmm. um, if you had a signature move, what would it be if you were mm-hmm. a wrestler? Well, I used to call myself the bomber, so I think I would use some sort of a power bomb. I don't know why. Every time I would create players or whatever, or wrestlers, I would use some sort of a power bomb. It was like a strong guy power move. You just, you know, duck the guy's head between your legs and just flip them up in the air and you just drop them down. Um, it's like a big show of strength. So I would have some sort of a super power bomb. What would it be called? I got you here on the spot. Uh, I would call it the smart bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Eric out of New Braunfels, Texas asks, what's your favorite restaurant in Philadelphia and what's your go-to order there? Hmm. Okay. Uh, if I'm in Philly and I don't have a whole lot of time, I go to this place. Gosh, I don't even know if it's still around anymore, but it's called Halal Balau. And uh, Halal Balau was on uh, Walnut Street in Philadelphia and it's they have the best fish hoagie that you've ever had in your life and they also have a great fish fried rice so it's just chopped up fish fried on fried rice and it's incredible so good halal balal that's my spot you got me salivating here (laughs) um peter out of la asks as a conscious rapper or as a rapper with consciousness which MCs did you listen to that put you on a more reflective style or knowledge of self, as Jeru the Damager would say back in the day? Mm. Well, um, there's a lot of a lot of education in hip hop. I'm writing a book right now, and I'm, I've been able to pinpoint a lot of times where I've heard pieces of knowledge from rappers that has made me like want to go do some research. Wu Tang for sure. Um, Public Enemy, I think, is the number one. For me, like I was a huge fan of Public Enemy, still am, and they taught me so much in the music that I think that's what put me on like a conscious path is being like, yo, these guys are great. Uh, Dead Prez as well. Um, but yeah, Public Enemy for sure is number one for me. Okay. This one's going to be completely out there and silly. Roque from Phoenix asks, how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck did steroids? Mm-hmm. Uh, that woodchuck would chuck so much wood that uh, it would become obscene by the time he was done <laughs> chucking wood. <laughs> okay. Last one here from the fans. Jesse Minus from El Paso, Texas asks, who is the worst lyricist with the best beats? And the best lyricist with the worst beats. Huh. Okay. So, worst lyrics, best beats. Um, there is a 
guy by the name of the baby who's out right now um he has great beats but he doesn't really use them to say anything so i would say he would be one of my picks for sure now best lyricist on bad beats would probably be nas um nas is great at rapping but i don't know if he always has the right production that to uh to compliment that well thanks for answering that uh. RJ, RJ. Put it in reverse, uh, might as well put it in the verse Still dealing with the pressure uh -huh. Trying to write my wrongs, but it's funny the same wrongs Help me write this song, but the pressure Got me out of my zone, uh -huh. can't get these thoughts out of my dome All alone with the pressure They say I work best under pressure So go and bring it on, bring the pressure I'm not immune to stress and high pressure The Nikola Tesla, energy gets sequestered Only way to win short is don't sit and fester and Scribble every thought up on the cadence and the measure The bar super Raising the ball whenever you stop is where I start moving. Thick and thin, flick the pen over the patch to begin. So back to business to the more serious questions. Um, mm. especially with your album, Two Hands Up, featuring young RJ of Slum Village. I love it. It's stepping away from the nerdcore hip hop style. Maybe not entirely like a departure from your style, because I mean you still have your own unique style, but not video, it's not video game oriented. I mean, I've read that you wanted to kind of take a step away and work on something that you're not entirely known for. Is that the reason why you kind of delved into this, making this album or how did it all come about? Well, I think that the beats I heard from, um, I think a lot of the beats I heard from my, uh, from like young RJ that he sent me, gave me a lot of reason. You know, there was a lot of like, purpose in a lot of what he was sending me and it just to me directed me another way the first song he sent me to get on was a song called pray and pray it already had his verse on it and great he track talk, he talked about a lot of real things thank you and uh so that was my first song with him and i think that kind of set the tone so from there i made sure to like keep within his topic which was you know, like you got to pray to get by. Like it's a lot, it's a lot of stuff going on these days, and I think that set the tone and directed the rest of what we were doing, and I was okay with it. So I liked it, and we just kept on going from there. And it was, it was awesome, man. Like I knew that it was going to be really different for me, and I was even a little scared because I was just like, oh man, my my fans are going to want some nerdy, happy-go-lucky <laughs> video game stuff. And I was like, well, it's not a happy-go-lucky world. And, you know, and, but I still made sure to throw references in to whatever I needed to talk about, but make sure that there was a real important point around it. So we talked about, you know, the, the society. And, and unfortunately, the, some of the things we said, we wrote it probably six, seven months ago, and it's like right on time with what's going on in the world right now. So it just kind of goes to show that some things, unfortunately, won't, or won't change, or at least not uh, you know, anytime soon for the better. So unfortunately it's still timely, you know, and, uh, but I'm glad in this sense, because it's hopefully something that people will listen to. So I really am proud of the record. I think it's my best stuff. You know, I think 
when you go from production to the the rhymes I wrote to the stories we're trying to tell, I think it's I think it's my best work, you know. So I hope everybody gives it a chance and enjoys it. No, you did a wonderful job. And I mean, one of my questions I was going to ask was, hey, is there a particular theme you guys are going for when creating the album? You know, and you actually touched on on some of it. I mean, even with Prey, I've read that as far as even just reading the lyrics, it's about, you know, trying to stay positive, you know, despite all of the negativity and just kind of trying to push through, you know, yep. and especially with these, you know, unprecedented times, you know, as far as being positive sometimes is truly hard and like i think you had said in an interview you're not particularly religious but you're still spiritual and that's kind of how some of that track came about yeah absolutely i feel like you have to i remember one thing like i used to be i mean i I would say i'm not as religious yes still spiritual but also i believe in a higher power and i want to i believe that we should all do right to hopefully please you know someone else but also to please our fellow man you know i think it's super important um just to treat each other right and i remember seeing you know how when i when i started to kind of open my eyes opening that third eye so to speak you know and questioning a lot of things that i had grown up being kind of told and forced people were saying to me people need something to believe in like why would you not want them to have something to believe in you know People need that to keep going. And uh, so I absolutely understand that, you know, and I feel like we need something. So whether you're praying, whether you're, you know, meditating, whatever, like we need to we need something that can show us that there's more than this. And even if there's not more than this, man, I think people just we just need we need something to hold on to, you know, and uh, and I think that hopefully that makes us, you know, better people. And at the end of the day. No, I love it. It's a great track. And there's a couple more tracks. I definitely have some, you know, questions on or want to discuss, but I love tracks like Extra and Mm. Pressure. Pressure just gets me so pumped because you talk, (laughs) you know, a little bit about like imposter syndrome, but also Mm. like pushing through, you know, can't put in reverse, might as well put in a verse, still dealing with the pressure, trying Mm. to right my wrongs, but it's funny, the same wrongs helped me write this song. And I just, you know, just clicked. I, I loved it, you know, as far as kind of just like pushing through all the, I don't know, I'm trying not to use expletives or anything, but the <laughs> tough stuff in life, you know, and just kind of getting through it. Yeah. And how it can kind of make you better, you know, like you got to have a story to tell. I think that's where, where I started. I ended the verse with, you know, like, it's great to have a story to tell. And I just talked about in that how I think I said they want to they want to feel the pain jumping off the page, the things that make me want to sleep through the day. So things that becomes like synonymous with depression and, and things that artists go through that are real things that hurt a lot, make your songs better because it makes the audience be like, oh, I want to hear him when he's going through something. That's when he's going to really, really give me something, you know? So fans are looking at it like, yeah, I like when you when you're hurting, because that's when you're going to give me your best stuff, you know? And we're like, man, I hate this feeling of, yeah. of going through things. So yeah, creatives, it's like the curse of an artist, you know, any creative that it, it beats you up. But in the, in the end, it gives you, you know, first there's the test and there's the testimony. And I think like getting out of it and having that testimony and being able to tell somebody I made it through so you can too, I think is super, super useful. Absolutely. And 
one of my other favorite tracks that I think is so important to listen to and to think about is Black is Beautiful, especially in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement and the protesting that is currently occurring right now. Good, good. Uh, I think it's probably my favorite song on there just because of it coming together. When when I originally wrote it, I sent it to RJ and I didn't. we didn't have a chorus. Like I kind of rapped a chorus and then he sent it to me. And then he sent it back with a singer on it, Eric Roberson, who like killed it, man. They did such a great job with the chorus. And it was just perfect. So it just makes me feel good. You know, I had gone through a lot of situations where I hadn't heard a song like that. You know, like I needed that when I was growing up. You know, I needed somebody to say, like, it's okay to be black. Like, you're not weird. You're not crazy. You're not whatever society says you got to be. You know, you're just beautiful the way you are. And, uh, you know, and I needed that. And so I just wanted to create that song for someone else who might need to hear that. And some lines that really stood out to me were to be black in America's constant state of rage. We just trying to elevate like cellular data rates, black like magic, the combo of all colors, even if they don't want us. Remember, God loves us. And that's powerful. You know, Mm, thank you. One of my favorite tracks. Thank you. These are things that like I've always read, you know, and and constantly thought of them. It's James Baldwin who said to be black and conscious in America is to be in a constant state of rage. And he said that like before I was even born, you know, and here we are, you know, still feeling that way. So I wanted to make sure to put that in there. You know, some of our greatest, you know, minds helped to inspire some of the things that I said in that uh, in that rap. And it's true. Like we're you know, we feel like we're just always hurting, you know. And I didn't want this to be an angry song. I wanted it to be a very, you know, calming and, and beautiful song. And, uh, you know, I hope that people felt that way, you know, when they heard it. Another thing I wanted to mention that I recently saw was that you raised over $15,000 for Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter protesters and bail project funds. And I mean, I love seeing that the fans pulled through and supported such a great cause. I mean, it's awesome to see you be able to leverage your success and social media status to benefit such an important cause. Oh, yeah, man. Like, what's the point of having any sort of following or anybody around you if you can't, like, motivate them to do something that's positive or that you feel, you know, you feel passionate about? So it might not have even been something that any of them felt passionate about. But I think the fact that they saw me really excited about it, a lot of folks were were willing to come through. And I set a simple goal of $1,000. I just thought about it one morning. I started playing a video game. No, I was DJing. And then we hit 1,000 in like a few minutes. Then we had 5,000. Then it was 10,000. I was just like, wow, I cannot believe this. And um, yeah, this is, uh, I mean, the Bell Project is a great nonprofit that's like trying to fight mass incarceration, which is one of the biggest like issues, I think, in America, where so many low-income Americans are kind of held at ransom you know, because they don't have the money to pay bail, you know, and therefore I think that, uh, you know, it's something I believed in, man. These are for nonviolent protesters who are out there doing the work, you know, putting in the, the footwork, you know, to make this world a better place and, uh, and they should be taken care of. So I'm glad to be able to have donated that, you know, I feel good about it. It feels really good to do good. I will say that. That's awesome. And I mean, even on the Twitch streams, I believe that you're still putting up ways that people could still donate to good causes. And Mm -hmm. I mean, even on my previous podcast episode, I tried to mention that I've got a, you know, a link, a Google Doc where people could go to and see as far as the 
you know, the particular funds that maybe, maybe not, I don't want to say need less funding, but maybe, hey, maybe devote more money over this area that could help, especially I think with like the Minnesota Freedom Fund, you know, they're mm -hmm. like, hey, we need money to go to other areas or other funds. So Absolutely. it's awesome to hear that you were able to donate that. But on the topic of song meetings, one other track that I truly enjoy, it's Same As It Ever Was from your mm -hmm. album RNDM. You know, one mm -hmm. of my favorite songs, not only because of the words, but I, I love that beautiful piano. Um, I really loved just the way that song was formulated. But with the words, definitely a kind of a mention to your legacy and how you're going to be remembered, you know, when you pass away or when you stop playing music, for instance. I mean, once a couple of lines here, I think about where I'll be when I pass away. A solo act like Tom Hanks and Castaway, Hemingway meets Hardaway and Hathaway throw the past away and wake up and smash the day. You know, what inspired you to think more about your legacy? Was it maybe you're thinking, you know what, I'm, I, maybe I'm not going to be able to play music anymore. What, what really inspired those lyrics? Or I would say mm. the album in general. Well, the album was about finding myself. I think, you know, it wasn't a mistake that an album was called Random or RNDM when my first album as Random was well the second album that got me popular was called Mega Ran. So it was just like a full circle thing to bring it back to where I started and just finding myself in this this in all this mess, you know, and just being able to make sure that I please myself. And to please myself, I knew that I I had to be more conscious of how I was what I was putting out to the world and how people were going to receive it. And and it made me start thinking about my legacy, you know, like what if I can't rap forever, you know, like I can't possibly do this forever, you know? At this point, I'm 40 plus years old. Like rap music is supposed to be the young man's game, you know? So at some point, I'm gonna have to let the next guys take over. So it just made me start thinking about what people are gonna think about me and what I'm, what they're gonna say and how much of it is in, in, in my control. And if it is in my control, then I gotta do what I can. I gotta wake up and smash today, you know? Because it's super important to me. So, you know, I'm very, very into how I'm gonna be remembered. Absolutely. Well, dialing it back and to get a little bit more personal, you used to be an ex-educator in the school system. I read that you wouldn't want to go back. Maybe you've changed your mind. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm sure you're able to express many lows and highs since you've witnessed it firsthand. But what do you miss the most about being a teacher? I miss the kids, like in, a, in the most general way possible. I miss the kids, dude. I wish I could chat with the kids more often and just kind of hang out with them because they kept me young. You know, they were the really fun people that kept me like, uh, you know, kept me creative because I was able to just kind of being, being around youth, I think helps me, especially being in rap and video games. So that's the one part I miss is the kids. I don't miss the bureaucracy and the red tape and the, you know, and all of the, ridiculous amounts of administration and micromanagement that goes along with that. But I absolutely do miss the kids. Like that's the part I miss just, just having those conversations with them and them making me laugh with little jokes and things like that's the part I miss. Did any of them ever know that you were like mega ran? Uh, yeah, they would find out eventually you can't keep anything from kids too long. So they were like, oh, I saw you on YouTube, you know? And then later I would start telling them like, yeah, it's me. So I used to rap for them in class. Like I would be like, all right, I'm going to do some rapping for you guys. And um, if you're good or well-behaved, 
so yeah, I eventually took it into class. Did you like rap about certain like topics like math or division or I don't know? Mm, or yeah, I would do science. like little freestyles <laughs> with them about like whatever they're working on. Like if we had spelling words, I'd be like, all right, we're all going to do a spelling words freestyle or whatever, something like with some definitions and vocabulary words. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. If you were to go back, would you go back to middle school or would you perhaps pick like, I don't know, a community college professor or something like that? Yeah, I'd rather teach in college, I think. I wouldn't do high school. I'm, a, I'm still a little afraid of high school. But um, middle school is like never a dull moment in the best way and worst way possible. These <laughs> kids are like super bundles of energy that never stop moving. But I don't want to go back. But if I ever did, yeah, I would say it would be, uh, I think it would be college for sure. Like I'd go to a community college. Okay. And when did you know that your time had ended as an educator and you needed to make the leap as a fully fledged 100% career devoted rapper? I knew when my album was in the top 10 on iTunes and I knew that the other nine guys that I was around were full-time musicians. (laughs) And so that's what gave me the strength. Honestly, it was like, Oh man, like if I'm next to, I don't know, Kanye West and Lil Wayne, these guys aren't, they don't have a second job. Like this is their main thing. So just imagine if I could put full-time effort into this. So I started doing that and that's where I was. I gave my two weeks notice at school and they didn't like that. So they fired me the same day. They were like, Oh, you can go now then. (laughs) And that was it. So I was gone. Well, I mean, I don't want to say I'm glad you left, but I mean, we wouldn't be having this interview and you would have I'm glad I left. experiences. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can say it. I'm glad I left. And then they, they weren't really nice about it. Like they, they could have been cool about it, but they chose not to be. They're very petty. You know, it was almost like, a, oh, you can't quit me. I quit you first. You know, it, it just was very petty. So I wish it didn't go down like that. You know, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to my students. You know, it was after the day had ended. So I, I didn't know it was going to be my last day and they didn't know either. So they probably implied to those students that that I gave up on them or something, you know, or that I just left them. And that's that's totally not what I did, you know, but I didn't have a chance to really speak for myself. So that really sucked. So they could have handled it a lot better, in my opinion. But I I'm glad I did it. You know, it took a lot of guts to be able to step away. But I just had to tell myself, like, I can always teach like the educational credentials I have won't go away. Uh, however, my place in music, that can easily go away. You know, like I could be nobody tomorrow, you know, so I need to strike on the iron is hot. So I did. Got it. And still on the topic of jobs, I know you also worked at EB Games and CVS. Mm-hmm. And man, I heard your CVS story on a podcast where you had a near death experience. Wow. That mm-hmm. was wild when you told it um but yeah it's nuts yeah. but what what's the worst job you've ever had uh worst job probably boston market now i like talking to people <laughs> and stuff but if if they would have given me that part of the job where i was just like in the front <laughs> ringing people out i wouldn't have minded but I was the person in the back who had to wash out the dishes and uh, clean the chicken guts off of the rotisserie spits. So it was disgusting. You know, we had to use a freaking high powered hose to just to try to get 
chicken guts off of these like spits so that they can put more chicken onto them. And um, it was gross, man. Like it was just really disgusting. We we're always wet. The floor back there was always wet. It was just nasty. And um, yeah, I think that's the worst job I ever had. And I just quit one day. And it was um, it's funny. I'm I'm writing a book, so this is a story in a book that I'm writing. But um, I don't, who knows when that's coming out? So on the day last day, I didn't know it was gonna be my last day, but it just turned out to be um, because I'd had enough. We were there. I'm there cleaning in the back, and I was moving too slow. And the guy, the manager, wanted to leave. Like he's like, "Dude, come on, hurry up, hurry up!" And I'm like, "I'm trying, man. Like if you want to come and help me, that's cool." Oh, you know, and and then he he does he like yanks a dish out of my hand, starts washing it really vigorously, and then we wash the dishes and we get out of there, and then I'm waiting at the bus stop. I don't have a car, and I'm just sitting there in the cold, and then his car pulls up to the light. I'm standing. I'm sitting at a light, and the the manager's car pulls up to me, and I almost think that he's gonna let me in the car. So I I get up because he's kind of looking at me and like well, he's kind of motioning me to come towards him. I thought I stand up. And then the light turns green and he just blasts away from me, you know, and pulls off. And I was just like, whoa, okay, well, that wasn't very nice. And then I I called in and quit the next morning. I was like, I had enough of this. (laughs) It's just not worth it. Well, I'm glad you quit. I'm assuming that you haven't eaten Boston Market since. You know, I eat Boston Market sometimes, so that's not not, not totally true. I still like Boston Market. (laughs) They never did anything wrong to me. (laughs) Well, to kind of get away from jobs, one question I have is you're in the Guinness World Record for most songs to reference a single video game franchise, which is Mega Man. Is it still at 130 songs? Yes, I have a record here, a plaque that says 130, so I hope so. Yeah, still 130. It's it's a you know, it's a quantity record, so it's not amazing. I mean, it's still great and it's an honor to have this. But like all someone has to do is really just focus on beating me and then I'll be gone, you know. So it's not necessarily something that like I'll hold over my head as like my greatest accomplishment because it's just me doing a thing a lot of times. Well, talking about as far as achievements and legacy, legacy is something we kind of talked about on your random album, R&DM album Mm -hmm. also kind of finding yourself but i know that you've mentioned as you get older you've thought about legacy and what you'll be leaving the world behind but what do you ultimately want to be remembered for Hmm. i hope that i'm remembered as a guy who took some chances made some things happen and uh found you know just had the courage to find his true self and and showed that in his art that's really it. I hope that I can inspire somebody else to do the same. I want these kids, you know, so many kids I grew up with, the things that I love and the things that I talk about every day now, like almost for a living, video games, comic books, anime. Kids were teased for this stuff. You know, kids were chased off the block for this or even had to get into fights about these things. So a lot of them just wound up hiding it and putting it away, you know, and not ever coming back to it. And then that's a shame because that person could have been the next freaking Jack Kirby or something, you know? And I, I just never want anybody to feel ashamed about being who they are. And I just hope that I'm a guy that when it's all over, people can look back and be like, man, that dude was, he was exactly who he was. He's unapologetic and he did it to the best of his ability. 
and now I want to go do the same thing. That's all I'm hoping. Well, you've definitely inspired me, and I'm just so appreciative that you were on this show. But before we wrap up, all ears are on you. Anything you'd like to plug or tell your fans or any sort of projects or streams or anything, uh, what would you like to tell them? Well, I stream every weekday on Twitch. So that's twitch.tv slash mega underscore ran. Um, I do two songs a month on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash mega ran. Any amount of money gets you access to two songs, two instrumentals, and a full story about how I wrote them. Uh, no concerts anytime soon. So uh, yeah, I hope to see you online hanging out at any of uh, my events. And uh, the Two Hands Up album is out now. And I think it's amazing. So go get that. Well, Ren, thank you so much for being on the show. Dude, I appreciate you, man. You asked great questions, and uh, it was really fun. Thank you, Chris. Absolutely. Thanks again, Ren. So there's my conversation with Mega Ran. I had a great time talking with him, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Ran had so many amazing life stories, and I'm glad I was able to learn more about him. Some parts of our conversation took me back to a part of my childhood that I cherish very deeply. I remember getting my first gaming console as clear as if it was yesterday. A beautiful Super Nintendo. Playing Michael Andretti's IndyCar Challenge and NHL 94 with my dad. Playing Donkey Kong Country and NBA Jam with my older brother all summer long. It takes me back. And I love how these conversations just reconnect me with some of my favorite personal memories. Maybe it brought back some for you too. I think I know what I'm going to do this afternoon. I'm going to spin Wu-Tang's Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers and play some Super Mario World. Maybe I'll even have a pizza on the side too. Before I forget though, make sure that you check out Mega Ran's new album with Young RJ of Slum Village. Two hands up. I can't recommend it enough. As always, thanks for tuning in. You could go to interviewswithchris.com for any previous material or go on any major platform where you can hear a podcast. If you like what you're hearing, then press subscribe and give some positive feedback. Thanks again, everybody, and I'll see you next time.